All right, here's another one. Podcast Sean and Colin Read the News is delighting listeners with off-the-cuff humor and the day's latest headlines. Uh, yeah, and it says that the show is dumb and the hosts are dumb and they have small, dumb brains. It definitely does not say that. What? It does say every Wednesday they have interesting and hilarious guests. And it says here they were banned from Olive Garden for demanding that the restaurant adopt them legally. Where Where are you getting this stuff from? From Sean and Colin Read the News. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we're joined by legendary SNL cue card chief, Wally Ferriston, to discuss his early days at SNL, the highs and lows of the late night cue card game, and his new custom cue card side hustle. To get your very own authentic custom cue card, find Wally on Twitter at QCardWally. Enjoy the following bonus full-length unabridged episode. And if you'd like to hear all of our full-length ad-free SNL coverage, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash SNL podcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash SNL podcast. All right, here we go. Wally Ferriston, the most famous man in the cue card game it is absolutely wonderful to have you join us this evening thanks for having me guys i really appreciate it yeah no this is this is a treat uh as someone who has uh seen upwards of what 30 years worth of snl firsthand and been kind of the the critical piece that kind of glues so much of the show together um you are an interesting man to be able to have a few minutes to chat with. And I'm really excited. I know that Catherine and Steve are as well. So I don't want to oh, yeah. waste any time with pleasantries here. I just <laughs> I want to get right into it. Are, are no, you I mean, give me the pleasantries. I like the them at me. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to keep this kind of cool and casual. We just, we, we just want to get to know you a bit and um, kind of walk through the years with you and, and sure. hear some, some fun insights uh, about your career. Um, but really, I, I think we just got to go back to the beginning. Where Where do you hail from? Where's your family from? I am from uh, West Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Okay. A small town um, south of Boston, between Boston and Cape Cod. And uh, my brother and I were both brought up with a strong comedy background. Uh, my dad wanted to be a stand-up comedian, but back you know, in the 70s, there were no real outlets that they have now. Sure. So he used humor uh, as a salesman and was a really good salesman, but... Um, you know, he was teaching us spit takes at the dinner table at seven <laughs> years old and double takes and showing us Monty Python and comedy albums like Cheech and Sean that were way, way too young to be hearing. But he, <laughs> sure. was, he was giving us that insight at a young age. And I think that really shaped both of my brother and I both wanting to go into comedy and go, you know, work in the TV business. So you guys both got sufficiently warped early enough that there was no going back. There was no going back. There was <laughs> definitely no going back. So how does uh, a young scamp from Massachusetts find his way to New York? What's the next move? Well, I wanted to write. I, I mean, from the fifth grade, I knew I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write comedy. So I went to Syracuse uh, for four years, graduated, went to Newhouse School of Communications and graduated with a writing degree, mm-hmm. moved to LA for three years, tried to sell screenplays and stuff, never didn't have a lot of luck. And then um, I moved to New York for a girl. <laughs> as we is often the case yeah. <laughs> stayed together for about a year and then split up but um, as is often the case <laughs> yeah exactly my brother was in new york and i was looking for work 
And I was working at a golf course. I was I was waiting tables. I was bartending. I was doing all that other stuff. And uh, I'm looking for to get my foot in the door to be a writer. And he called me up one day and said, the cue card guys, they're looking for another cue card guy. And I was like, great. Did you tell them that I I, I was available? And they were like, well, no. He's like, no, you have terrible handwriting. I didn't recommend you. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? I was like, call him back and tell him to give me a shot. So he get me an interview. And I went in there. Uh, they said the printing wasn't as the worst they'd ever seen. But my print, it was pretty bad. But uh, because, you know, my brother had uh, knew the guys there because he, he had been a receptionist. He was just going to take a job at the Letterman show as a writer. Mm. They took a chance on me and, you know, I haven't kind of looked back from there. Wow. How's your writing now? Yeah. Has it improved slightly <laughs> in the last 30 years? Yeah, it's improved. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm lucky enough now that I own my own company. Um, I employ the guys that do most of the writing. Right. Oh, interesting. So I do, I get the glory. I come in late. I come in about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I hold up the cards, work with the celebrities and I go home, you know, right. so <laughs> it's a good deal. You still had to make your bones. So what I, what I yes. kind of love to know is because you own, you're basically the vendor to SNL Correct. for all of their cue card needs and not just SNL, basically NBC late night, right? You do Seth Meyer show as well, and, right? And, and Fallon and Conan as well. Yes. Okay. So yeah, big, late night. Great. So yeah. how do we go from, um, you know, wide-eyed new to new york uh gets a job at the ground floor at uh, rockefeller center and yeah. now he's managing 20 guys and he is the cue card guy yeah how how, <laughs> how, how do we go from you know wally to the legend well, of wally well the, the the i was almost fired within six weeks of working on the show because by printing uh you know tony mendez who was my who trained me and was my boss who ran right. cards for letterman for years he was a stickler, stickler, stickler. So he wasn't using my printing. I, I'd print sketches with the guys, um, but they, he wouldn't use my cards because he didn't consider them neat enough for, to show the actors. <laughs> okay. um, so the people I was working with were pissed off because they were doing, they were picking up the slack for me. Right. The only thing that saved me was the first show that I worked, he gave me six cards to hold. And I'll never forget. It was for a Mike Myers sprocket sketch. Kyle McLaughlin mm. and I had the first six cards of the sketch and I was the only one holding those cards. So if I screwed up, I was gone. You know, it was kind of like, uh, okay, I need this guy out of here. Let's throw him in the fire. Sure. And, um, <laughs> another guy stood behind me. I held the six cards. We walked backstage and he was like, I've never seen anything like that before. He's like, your entire body was shaking, but the cards were held perfectly still. Nice. <laughs> wow. So the next, the next week he gave me three sketches to hold one. I was on top of a ladder Second one, I was on my stomach, like laying back. And then the other one was like, probably just a normal one, but like a good long 40 card sketches. And I would never do that to anybody new. I would <laughs> like they maybe a year in, I'd give him something like that. But sure. he was throwing me under the fire. But I was for some reason, I was really good at holding the cards in the rhythm of it. I don't know why it was a natural thing. And it's the only thing that saved my uh, my job there. Mm-hmm. So um, so Tony left after three years. Within three years, they picked me to run SNL over guys that had been there for nine or 10 years because I, because of my, because of my calmness under pressure, because Mm -hmm. I was good at holding and I, and I, for some reason, it didn't scare me what we were doing. It was fun. You know, I was, I think I was just too young and stupid to really, to be scared (laughs) about it, you know? (laughs) Okay. So you were good in the grind. You were good in the moment. So Uh, where your penmanship failed you, just the cool under pressure kind of saved you. Yeah. And penmanship got better over the years, but yeah. So within three years I was running SNL within, within five years I was running SNL and Conan and um, everybody that was working there now had, was working for me were my friends, you know. So um, I started working up and I was writing. I started making a lot of contacts in writing. I wrote for a show called Wienerville on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote for Celebrity Deathmatch for a year. 
Uh, I did uh, an episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. So I was getting, I was, it was good. I was doing cue cards, but I was also writing. So I was getting best of both worlds. You know okay. what I mean? Nice. And um, I love Space Ghost. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, I wrote the banjo episode. If you guys want to go back at, and that was under my real name, Chris Ferriston, not Wally Ferriston. So I was, I had a duality there back then. I was, <laughs> I was still two people. Okay. Mm. Yes, but as I got longer and longer doing it, I got better and better at it. The writing kind of went to the side. And cue cards took forefront and uh, started my company in 2004. And I haven't looked back since. I've been for 20 years now. Awesome. So you said that one of your first episodes was the Kyle McLaughlin show, which was right around 1990 or so, which is interesting to me because that's basically when I started watching the show. I started watching the show because Wayne's World, you know, was the talk of the playground. So I begged my parents to be able to stay up. Uh, And so I was right around 10, 11 years old, started watching the show basically right around the time when you came on. So what's interesting for me is that basically my entire SNL viewing history, you've (laughs) always been a part of the show and not just, you know, off screen doing what you do, but you've become a personality. Like everyone knows Wally, the cue card guy, because so often, you know, you're the butt of a joke or you, you know, you're just, you're there as part of a scene for whatever reason, because the show likes to be very self-referential. So I kind of feel like, you know, I've, I've known you for 30 years, even though obviously you don't know me (laughs) Adam. that's kind of a a creepy way to say that, but anyways, moving right along. Um, I guess my question would be, did you enjoy being woven into the fabric of the show on air and starting to become sort of part of the institution as much as the, the llamas and the Lincoln and the showgirls, you know, that are always showing up, you know, Wally is always in the back corridor there too, doing his thing. Um, so when, when did you realize that you were kind of becoming part of the lore of the show and, uh, everybody knows Wally? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, not a lot of people know this. I left for half a season in 1996. I got married. And I was not burned out, but I was like, I think I wanted to really said, I need to try to see if I'm going to make it as a writer sure. or continue to you know go the route I'm doing with the cue card. So I left the show for half a season, went out to LA. My brother was a, a writer. He set me up with an agent. I went to a whole, did a whole bunch of meetings, you know, with a whole bunch of pitch things, saw what that whole scene was like and nothing really came out of it. Um, you know, I probably should have given a longer time, but I was <laughs> like January, um, the guy that I put in charge was a really good friend of mine, but he was unqualified. You know, it took me three years to get their inner runnings of us and I would really feel comfortable with right. that show. So it was, it, you know, you can't do it a half a year, but they, he was not great at it. He didn't have a great attitude. And, um, the show was struggling with him running the cue cards. So I said, Hey, maybe I'll come back and help out in January. Went back and helped out in January. And, um, I saw Lauren, the first show I was back backstage, I was going from one set to, and he, and he said to me, Hmm, I thought you left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, still with the show. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I finished out the year and my buddy, my buddy was like, I've had it. I'm done. He left. And, uh, basically the show said to me, please come back. We'll, we'll, we'll pretty, pretty much do anything you want if you come back. And then okay. I, so I started thinking, Oh, they really missed me. And Steve Higgins, who, you know, you guys know Steve Higgins. Yeah. yeah. He said to me, he says it to me all the time. He was like, the best thing you could have ever done was leave for six months because they saw what mm-hmm. life was like without Wally. Yeah. And yeah. it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny when you find the right man for the job, you do anything to, to not let him go. So uh, it's, yeah. it's nice that you're appreciated and you gave them that breathing room to kind of, you know, get that, that credibility that we will never yeah. replace Wally. He's, he's going to be here, you know, until the show's done. 
Right. So I feel I I do feel like a, I have like this air of oh they can't fire me I can't I'd have to kill them I'd have to kill someone to be fired you know so I try not to do you know anything too crazy but I know that you know it's like I, I'm I have an untouchable kind of thing unless I really screw up you know? right. I, I think there'd probably be a cast and writers revolt like you're you have a a pretty good reputation for just um yeah putting people at ease you know like yes knowing yes. that there's someone capable being able to kind of, in a way, you know, you're off screen, but you're still holding their hand in a way because you're the one that's making sure that everything they need to get through the sketch is there in front of them when it needs to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know that there's been a lot of people that have, uh, kind of had those sentiments over the years that yeah, without, without Wally, this, this whole thing can fall apart. Um, so not to talk too much about succession, but, uh, you got anyone in your crew <laughs> that you think actually could take the mantle someday or are you going down with the ship? Well, I've got two sons, uh, both of them. One uh, goes to uh, Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah SCAD. Okay. Uh, he wants to produce TV shows. And my younger son is starting uh, his freshman year at uh, University of Texas at Austin in the fall. Mm-hmm. And, he wa- and he's going into TV production as well. So they're both heirs to the throne if they want it down okay. the road. One of them does, one of them doesn't. We'll see what we'll see what they want in ten years. Um, <laughs> but the question is, how's their penmanship and how wobbly are they when they're holding the cards? <laughs> yeah, my youngest, unfortunately, his season. He was working for me this his senior year, um, and his the season was cut short. He wasn't able to work the show, so he was just starting to kind of get the rhythm of mm-hmm. writing and stuff like that. My older son got a lot more work, and his penmanship is pretty good, and he he handles himself very well under pressure. So okay. Um, so there may be a dynasty in the making. There's a possible dynasty in the making, <laughs> but um, there's a guy that works for me, Roman Urbanski, who runs uh, Jimmy Fallon for me, which is the toughest show really to run right now. Okay. They, they're, they're under a lot of pressure. They have a lot. They try to uh, cram a lot of stuff into a short period of time. And uh, great attitude, really great guy, and loves doing cue cards. You know, if my boys don't want to do it, he would probably be the guy that I would uh, appoint to take over for me. Okay. Well, it's good to know that you're grooming someone. So the show will be in good hands. Should you ever decide to sail off into the sunset? (laughs) Do you feel like, uh, the tonight show right now is harder than running SNL? Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) How crazy is that? That is crazy. Why do you think that? Well, there's only four. I mean, we have four guys working down there. They they just, they throw a lot at them last minute and it's very, it's very, very stressful for Saturday Night Live. I mean, yes, it's the same thing, but we, you know, again, SNL has, uh, I have like nine guys working for me on Saturday. And if it's an extra heavy show, I can throw another guy on there, 10 guys. You know what I mean? It's it, I'll throw whatever it needs to do to make that show, you know, get done. Plus, but it's organized. It's an organized chaos. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's rhythms and we know where we're going to get things. And, you know, for the most part with, with Jimmy Fallon, the way they're running things there, it's, it's a bit unorganized and <laughs> they don't know what they're going to get thrown at sometimes. You know what I mean? So they have to always be on their feet. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a stressful show. I mean, they do a great job and I think the shows do a great job. It's just, that's the way they work it. And that's fine. Yeah, we, sure. just, we have to adapt to that. You know, that's, that's the nature of a daily show as opposed to SNL exactly. that has a, a week schedule. Right. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I get it. Cause yeah, sometimes in the morning you don't know what the news cycle is going to throw at you or what kind of sketch you're going to try to pull together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I can, I can kind of understand how, yeah. Yeah. Four shows that, that presents its own complications in a week. Yeah. Very interesting. Very yeah. good. So, ah, uh, like I have a few fun questions that I wanted to throw at you that I jotted down here, but before I uh, kind of take over here, guys, you got anything you want to throw at Wally? Well, I had a question more technical because sure. I noticed, you know, when you're getting rewrites and stuff come in, you, you put the white tape over there. Right. How far do you take that? Are you putting tape on tape is where, where's the cutoff point where you say, okay, <laughs> this card is mangled. 
uh, it, it's probably best to start over at this point. Uh, no, the, you know, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes I'll pull one, I'll pull a card and it's so heavy. I'm thinking I'm pulling two cards, but it's really <laughs> one with just a bunch of tape on it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, there's no limit. I mean, the cards are pretty sturdy. So if it's safe, if it's, if we think it's quicker to put a line of two lines of tape than rewriting the card, that's what we do. You know, yeah, it's, but they're split second decisions. You know what I mean? So right. I, I trust the guys and I trust myself when you're looking at the changes um, you know, no, if it's tape over tape over tape, we'll keep on doing it. Yeah. Uh, the cards right. hold up pretty well. So, and that doesn't make the cards too noisy or anything like bleeding into the mics from a whoosh sound or nope, nope. Um, we would, it's actually, you don't make, they don't make a lot of noise. We have a catcher. We always have a catchers, um, union guys standing behind us, catching each card. If you guys have been to shows, you've seen yeah, that. Yeah. So, uh, so no, it's, it's, it's pretty quiet. The mics aren't, the marks, mics aren't faced towards us. You know what I mean? Right, they're right. either on them or they're faced towards them. So it, the sound usually isn't a problem. Right. Yeah. Cause you've got shotgun booms on them or they've got yeah. mic packs. So there's not a lot of the room noise that's going to bleed in. Exactly. Um, so I, I have a question. Yeah. Most challenging staging that you ever were able to pull off with the cue cards, like a sketch that just for whatever reason, the requirements of the sketch made it almost impossible to use cue cards effectively. And you got a big win. So um, it's funny. Uh, Ad Bryant just talked about this on something. I don't know if it was through SNL. Or it was through somebody else. She was in a sketch, a cold open sketch, her first season where she was playing a news correspondent, and, mm-hmm. and it was uh, the way that they. We always try to stage it the way that it was. It was played, and she she was facing. It was weird. She was facing the people, and the way we staged it, I couldn't put cue cards. Ad, it's hard to describe it, but. Um, Ad was sitting facing them, and there were people in these boxes. I don't know if it were jury boxes or they had. They were standing up and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I usually I would put Ad's cards, you know, in their eye line, you know, in her eye line behind those people. But because these people were standing up in the audience, I couldn't do it. And there were and there were there was background behind it. So I I, I was I went to the director, the producer. I was like, I don't have anywhere to. I don't know where I'm going to put Ad's cards. I can fit the people in the audience, no problem. But 80, you know, can she memorize it? And they look, they look at me. They're like, no, no, you have to figure it out. Go home and figure it out. This is Friday night. That's what we pay you for. You're Wally. Exactly. <laughs> figure out how you're going to do this. So I sat at home thinking about it and I came back and I was like, all right, I, this is the only thing I can think of is I'll put two guys in the audience with cue cards dressed as people mm-hmm. in the audience. And when 80 has lines, they'll want they'll stand up they'll take turns standing up depending on who's not you know going to be on camera next and they'll we'll just have to time it out that way and see if it works wow and they and and they were like all right let's give it a try so i put two of my guys in there and um it didn't work great in run through (laughs) i think they get caught once in dress rehearsal but for air it worked out perfectly they stood up in the right spot stood back down Sat back down, had the cards next to them, and it worked out. And it was one of those crazy things where, eighty, like I said, 80s first year. It might have even been her first show. And <laughs> she was dealing with this for a sketch. And it was like, it, it all worked out. It was pretty good, but it was pretty stressful. Wow. That's like some David Copperfield trick or something. <laughs> it was crazy. It was pretty crazy. Awesome. Yeah, I do uh, I do recall her talking about that. I think it was an official, like an SNL mini doc that they put out through their YouTube. Yeah. So I'm sure it was within that. the last few months. Yeah. So yeah. people can can hunt for that. We'll put it in yeah. the show notes. But yeah, that's that's brilliant. Um, yeah. So I got a question. I was at the Tina Fey finale and there was a sketch that is Prince Harry's wedding. Right. And um, they had... 
you know, one third of the studio floor was the set. And at one side of the set, they had a door that was on a rotating platform so that Harry could exit the room. They could redress the room and then he would turn around and come back in. And it's one of these POV situations like a Sully and Denise or a continental thing yes. where you're following right along with them. Can you explain how you pulled that off as far as making sure that Mikey day had all of his lines as needed when he's going through that door. Did someone go with them? Did they have to scurry around? Do you, do you remember how that was staged? I was right. I was with him. Um, uh, while he was doing, I was with the cameraman the whole time, right above mm. the camera with the cards. So I believe we, he, my, my, Mikey could see him the whole time, either that, or I was showing him, I scooted ahead and showed him, um, as he was, as he was talking, but I think I stood with the cameraman. I think, I think what we did was we got on the, we got on the platform and it, and it just rotated Yeah, and we never, we never left, you know, Mike. So you were on there with them the whole time with the camera. Yeah, I couldn't exactly. remember if you were on there with them or not, because they had like three or four guys trying to hoist that thing around. Yeah. And I just couldn't remember how many people you could actually fit on it. And I yeah, just was, thought, you know it what? It was me, Mikey and the camera, cameraman. I had my catcher standing off to the side. I don't think I she gotcha. got on it. Yeah, yeah, no the the feats of staging that they pull off on. Yeah, those H. are the fun. Those are the fun sketches. Those continental, the continentals mm-hmm. with Christopher Walken. Yeah, were my first. So my first time doing that one, I wasn't. Tony was still there, so Tony did Walken's cards, and I was um, outside in the out. I was outside the door for like the last shot because Tony couldn't get there. Mm. So when she tries to escape, and then he's got one last line <laughs> that I'm holding the card for. So I'm standing outside that door for uh, during air. And the cameraman is has to open the door, so he's shooting with one hand right. and his left hand, and then opening the door with his right hand. They had done something to the door; they repainted it or something between dress and air, oh. and the door w- wouldn't open, and he couldn't he couldn't open the door. Now I'm standing on the other side with the last line of the sketch. Cameraman's trying to open the door, and it's stuck, and I'm like, "Oh, what do I do?" <laughs> wow! So I kicked it open. I kicked it. <laughs> I was like, "All right, I got to try this." Awesome. I kicked I kicked it into his hands. He grabbed it, opened the door. Walking said his last line and we, we got oh, out. So that's funny. Yeah. When yeah. you watch, when you watch those sketches, that little bit of chaos, right? Like, cause it's supposed to be a little frenetic that, you know, yes. she's trying to escape and he's trying to block yes. her. So when you get sort of, um, a big bump on the stage, you just think, well, you, you know, that's, know that's walking up against the yeah. set or whatever it is. Uh, well, no, there you go. Kicking, there's me kicking the door open. <laughs> there's some fun insight for the old school fans that were watching yep. in the early nineties there. What's, uh, yeah. What's like the, your favorite of those crazy staging moments? Um, anything challenging is really fun. You know, um, uh, so I started my first year, Adam Sandler and Chris Farley was also there first mm-hmm. year as well. So we were rookies together. So we grew up, came up together. It was, we had a lot of fun with them, but neither one of those guys could see very well and they wouldn't wear <laughs> And they refused to wear contact lenses. So I always had to print their letters really big. So you couldn't fit a lot of words on their, on their card. So I remember we did a, uh, we are the world sketch and Adam Sandler played Axel, uh, Rose. And he sang one of those Guns N' Roses super fast songs, <laughs> but I couldn't put a lot of words on the card. So I was literally grabbing like that, you know, grabbing sure. as fast as I could. I, there was no hesitation. It was grab the card, hold the card, grab it, hold the card, grab it. And if you just, if you miss one, you're screwed. The whole song is screwed up. Right. Right. So, uh, challenge something challenging. And I didn't screw up by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> we knew that no, already. No screw ups. Um, something <laughs> challenging like that is, is a lot of fun. Yeah. Can I get your heart pumping? It gets, it, 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 it's what it's, it's what I do it for. You know I mean? It's yeah. real challenging, but it's great. So you didn't, you didn't screw up that sketch. What is the worst blunder that you ever remember oh. having with cue cards? Oh, um, uh, <laughs> or too many to count. I don't remember what year it was. 
but it was in like the last seven or eight years, maybe we were doing changes between dress and air and, um, the script people bring us script changes back. And, and, um, sometimes it's the full sketch and sometimes it's not, mm. but this time, this time it, it wasn't, but they didn't tell us it wasn't not blaming them. It was totally my fault, but I was doing changes and there was, um, a page nine and the next page was 11. And I was going so fast that I went to the end of page nine. I cut everything that was supposed to be on page 10 because I figured it was cut because we didn't have a page 10, uh-huh. which is not the way you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. So I cut out an entire page and then no one caught it before. It must have been like a last minute thing. It must have been really late getting close to the show. But what I did was I cut out the character that was supposed to say live from New York. I cut out Jay Farrow, oh. who was supposed to say <laughs> live from New York. And instead, Bobby Moynihan said live from New York. And I, I screwed Jay Farrow out of saying live from New York. It's a terrible moment. The writers were pissed. Lauren was really upset. And um, I was beside myself. Like, I couldn't believe that I had I had done that. Oh, but, oh man. Again, it happens every once in a while that you're going to sure. do something like that. But that was probably the worst thing that, that ever happened with me anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. yeah it, was not, it was not a good It was not a good moment. Yeah, I feel feel bad for you. Well, he got Obama, so you know. He, yeah, he, he did okay. You, he you didn't totally it. derail his SNL career over it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you get to say live from New York another time. So yeah. now that's the time you made a mistake. Have you ever had a cast member just screwing up so bad that you thought you did something wrong? Like you're like double taking like <laughs> the cue card. Like, did I skip something? Um, Will Ferrell used to um, when he Will Ferrell used to always come. He'd always take these long pauses. That he didn't do like during rehearsal. Like, you know, I'll see by the time the air, air show comes, I've seen like the sketch six times. You know, right. this is like the sixth time I'm seeing. I have three rehearsal and then a run through, then dress rehearsal. Well, so by air, I'm really familiar with how they're going to do it. So I get their rhythms and stuff. But Will Ferrell would always do a, a different take for air. You know, he wasn't giving you the real thing he was sure. going to do at dress. So we take these long pauses sometimes. And me and some of the other guys, you know, if we think the actor got lost, you know, we'll point. You know, at the cards. And after a while, I kept on saying, Wally, can you stop pointing at the fucking cards? Because I'm not lost. I'm taking dramatic pauses or comedic pauses. It's called He's acting. Like, yes. Exactly. <laughs> he basically had to say that to me. He's like, He's like, I'm not, I'm doing it on purpose. I'm not lost. And I'm like, oh, got it. My bad. We're with you now, Will. He was wow. great, though. He was always great. Nice. So, uh, Will Farrell threw you some curves. Yeah. Do you have a favorite cast member? over the past 30 years, just someone that you just gelled with for some reason. Oh man. Bobby Moynihan and I have become pretty good friends. Yeah. And I think it jumped from me. Like he was a huge fan of the show before he got, you know, mm-hmm. before he got in and his first show, I think, you know, I, I always go up and I introduce myself to the new people and stuff. And I went and said, Hey, I'm Wally. He's like, I know who you are. <laughs> He's like, I have a, I have a cue card that you wrote on my wall in my apartment. He's like, we're going to be best friends. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and we were, he was just great. I mean, he would, when he got a sketch on his first seat, you know, whenever he got a sketch on, he would come back. And I was like, Oh, you want a card? He's like, no, I want all of them. Give me the entire sketch. <laughs> he, would oh, take wow. entire, he would take entire sketches home with him. From, oh. He was just the biggest fan. He's got a storage unit filled with cue cards of his sketches. I okay. So I, I got a question for you. <laughs> yeah. I got a, I got a tread lightly here. Do you happen to remember if Bobby popped over to your station and grabbed any cue cards from his final show? That's a good question. I don't remember. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to. Okay. And I don't know. I just don't remember. 
you know, being there 30 years, my memory is not <laughs> the greatest, sure. you know, when it comes to like little things like that. I'm putting just, you on the spot there. Do you, are you asking for a specific reason? I am just- because I, I happen to have a cue card from that episode and it was sent to me anonymously through a, a, a Reddit burner account. Like someone contacted me online um, anonymously and said they wanted to send out something to me. And lo and behold, I get a cue card from uh, weekend update uh, during the, the 40, the 42 finale. Um, and I have a hunch of who may have sent it, like who's the <laughs> sweetest guy at the show. Um, but uh, I have yet to have been able to confirm it. So if I could do an end run around Bobby and get the, get the, uh, the scoop from you, I was going to go for it. But uh, if your memory fails you, we'll just have to let that remain a mystery. It sounds like something Bobby would do. Yeah. That's my you hunch. I mean? but, hey, <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah. Well, uh, as far as cast members you've gelled with, I'd say you, you clearly have a pretty good relationship with Seth Meyers as well, right? He yes, kind of yes. takes you, not just your company, but you personally around with him. Yeah. I mean, Seth's a special kind of guy. You know, he's a New England guy like myself. <laughs> and, and the same kind of upbringing. Like he talks about his dad. He, his, his upbringing is like mirrors mine. His dad, you know, introduced him to comedy, him and his brother at an early age, same kind of deal. And it's just like, you know, he talked the way he talks. It's just like, uh, he, his dad is my dad. He, he did the exact same things. And our paths are like, you know, kind of the same, you know, he mm-hmm. went to Northwestern and majored in TV writing, TV, radio, film writing. I went to Syracuse, majored in TV, mm-hmm. writing, and film. it's kind of weird, you know, yeah. but um, a great guy, a nice guy. And when I heard he was doing late night, you know, I was only working SNL and I was only working three days. I'd work three days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and I had, I took those other four days off to just recover and relax. Right you know, spend time with my family and stuff. But when he started the show, he's such a good guy that I, I, I offered, I went in there and I talked to Mike Shoemaker who produces it. And I said, I want to do cards for you guys just so I don't want Seth to have to worry about cards. I want him to be able to worry about the writing and everything else and focus on that. I don't want him worrying about cards and they were very happy. And yeah, we've been really happy ever since, you know, <laughs> I, they, they put me in, they put me on TV so much that I'm, I made a lot of money, extra money being uh, on that show. So it's been really nice. Yeah. Oh, so you you get some kind of a kickback when you uh, read your poetry? Uh, I'm in uh, I'm in SAG. <laughs> I had I had to join SAG after after listen to this story after 29 years of of being on uh, been playing myself on SNL and Thirty Rock and uh, mm-hmm. and doing movies and stuff like that. They never made me join SAG after, and then I did a year of sketches on Seth Meyers and they were like, that guy can't be in your show anymore unless he joins SAG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you know that you are one of the few like? off-screen talents that has an official sketch credits page on SNL's website. I did not know that. You have no. nine named on-air appearances to your credit on, on well, SNL's website. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad for not being in the cast. <laughs> no, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, so is there a particular episode of all the thousand episodes that you've participated in? Like something that you just have fond memories about just something that there was something about that episode that you love being involved in. The Betty White episode. Oh, well, there you go. There's the answer right there. I mean, the Betty White episode, and here's the funny thing. So Betty White's hosting. She's very, she's very old, um, still going strong, but they're like, you know, we're going to make, we're going to make it easier on her. We're going to bring back all, you know, the other female cast members, Tina Fey, Maya mm-hmm. Rudolph, you know, to, and Amy Poehler to help, to help her out, take some of the load off of her. Right. They didn't do anything like that. They put it, they were, she was still in every sketch <laughs> yeah. and still had just as many lines as she would, but she, it was all these other great women supporting her, you know? Yeah. She was so great. And when that show ended, I just had this feeling that I hadn't had, you don't have after every show that like, wow, that was something special. Right. 
That was really, really, I, I'm so proud to work on that show. What an amazing, amazing actress she was. <laughs> and for her to pull that off at her age and then go to the cast party, by the way, she wasn't going to go to the cast <laughs> party, but she had so much adrenaline that she demanded to go to the cast party, had a big hamburger at, you know, two in the morning. It was, <laughs> it was just the greatest, it was I the greatest thing. Yeah. I, I remember watching that and her monologue lands so hard. Like she really owned every line, just stung every punchline perfectly. Yeah. I remember being in awe of it. And now it occurs to me, you always do the, the monologues, right? Like that yeah. was you feeding her those lines. Yeah. I, I, whatever the host is reading, I'm holding their cards, like 90% of the cards. Yeah. I can't be in every position, but if it's, if it's the monologue, yeah, I hold the monologue. I hold the cold open. Um, yeah. She thanked me in her book. Mm-hmm. And on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, uh, publicly said my name and oh. thanked me for you know I mean after so I mean how, how great how great well, is she? <laughs> you had the best seat in the house for that that oh, iconic awesome. moment. It was awesome. Yeah, was no, awesome. that's that's definitely a good. When you did the 40th anniversary, you've done you know you you did Eddie Murphy. I'm assuming. Oh Actually, I was there. I know you did Eddie Murphy. I, <laughs> yeah. I saw you. Um, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. No. Um. Uh. That's that is quite the career to be able to rub shoulders with all the people that come through that studio to, to be able to play such a, an important role and to, to get your due. There's not a lot of cue card guys that, you know, by name that you just know, that's the guy, that's the guy who's been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say it's a, it's an impressive career that you've had. Uh, Maybe even unintentionally, you wanted to do some writing. You ended up at (laughs) SNL by another route, but you made no less of an impact because of the path that you took. And I, I think it's awesome. No, I, I'd say I, you know, I, I, I go and speak at some colleges. Um, uh, I go back and speak at Syracuse and then I spoke at my son's college and I, you know, went to Montclair state and did some talks there. I tell, I tell kids, Hey, I don't turn down a job just because that's not what you think you want to do because you don't know where it's going to lead to. Mm-hmm. It could be the perfect job for you or it could lead to the perfect job for you. You know, don't, don't turn anything down until you give it a shot because I didn't, I didn't plan on being a cue card guy for 30 years, <laughs> sure. but I think I've accomplished more as a cue card guy. I made more, more connections and I had more fun in, in uh, you know, instances happened to me than I would ever has as a writer. You know, my brother's a writer and yeah, he lives in a big house. And he owns four Porsches, <laughs> but uh, I think I've had more fun as a, a cue card guy than he did as a writer. Yeah. I'd oh. say you guys both did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great advice. Well here. Yeah. Here's the thing. We know Wally. We don't know your brother. So I think that counts for something. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) So uh, speaking of accomplishments, uh, SNL is not your only venture. In the off season, you do a a few things to pay the bills. You want to you want to tell us what uh, you're up to, especially during quarantine? Well, this was this was totally quarantine. um, A quarantine idea. Uh Um, I was not um, doing anything. I couldn't hold cards. And uh, I was sitting on a couch and my wife was working furiously uh, at home and my son was working at, as a high school senior to graduate and I was just getting in their way <laughs> and sleeping <laughs> and being in the way. So I started a company called uh, Cue Cards by Wally and I'm doing personalized cue cards for people to give as gifts for uh, you know Father's Day, birthdays, uh, graduations. And you know, people can't go to these birthday parties. You can't have birthday parties and you can't, you can't go to a graduation and you can't sure. go, go see somebody for birthday. So it was a good time. I wanted to do this last year. And uh, it didn't work out, but I got the show's permission and Lauren signed off on it and NBC signed off on it. And uh, I think just because of what people are going through and they're, they're, you know, I did it to bring in a little money in sure, but the responses I'm getting from people and the, the exchanges I'm having with them through email and stuff like that is something that I would never have dreamed of. And it's so touching to see people just like how much I'm making their day and making, making sure. their, you know, the, these tough times of living through a little bit brighter by getting a card like this is great. You know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can uh, speak personally that I, I bought a cue card from you. I, uh, <laughs> I, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, okay, well, I got to get one of those. And so I had you write a, a line from a sketch that I had uh, at UCB uh, and I hung it above my desk and it's uh, like a nice little reminder of what I'm working towards. You know, yeah. one day I'll have my, my SNL cue card from something that was actually on air. There. How cool would that be? Yeah. Right. So um, why don't we uh, throw out some links, like make sure that people know where to find you if they want to get a cue card. Yeah, just anybody, you can email me at uh, cuecardsbywally at gmail.com. And that's, that's C-U-E cards by Wally at gmail.com. Or you can, you know, you can DM me on Instagram. Same thing. Cue cards by Wally email is the best. I'll give you all the information and, um, and then hopefully I can do a card for you, you know? Very good. And we're going to throw links to basically every place people can find you in our right. show notes. So, uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, check the show notes, click through, get yourself an official cue card by Wally cue card. Yes. Definitely a cool thing to own. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever you want put on it. Doesn't matter how filthy Wally is honor bound to write it out for you. As long as it's not, <laughs> as long as it's not NBC copyrighted sure. or intellectual property, I'll write whatever you want and I don't care. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it is me answering your email. So when you're emailing, you are talking to me. Um, so heap the praise if you like, I love it. <laughs> All those pleasantries, right? Yes. Yes. Love the pleasantries. Excellent. Well, this was fantastically fun. I, I can't speak for my, my co-host, but I am going to, cause they're all smiling. It seems like everyone enjoyed themselves. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that you were able to come up and regale us with some, you know, fun insights on your career at SNL and so much more. And I would encourage everyone to go get a cue card and uh, yeah, let's all write out this quarantine and style with uh, some cue cards by Wally. It sounds like a good idea. Thank you so much for coming and thanks for uh, my cue card. I love it. Yes, no, no thank problem. You so thanks. much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray, as well as our very special guest, Wally Ferriston. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon to cover some fun SNL-related topics as voted on by our listeners. If you'd like to suggest a topic, contact us at snlpodcast.com or find us on social media at snlpodcast. But until then, this has been episode number 110 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs>